live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the Sports Huddle. Bob Black back with you here. Here being RFMP Park in Glen Allen, Virginia, and Ryko County. We are at the Babe Ruth World Series. 13-year-old youngsters are going at it from literally all across the country. Richmond Region Tourism, one of our great partners, has brought them all to town again this season, and this tournament runs all week long. We'll talk more about it. At the bottom of the hour, the local team, the Glen Allen team, is one of the favorites again to win this. So we'll be keeping our eyes on them, and we'll be talking with some of their guys a little bit later here in the 5 o'clock hour. Right now, though, we're going to kick off the 5 o'clock hour with one of our guys who we love to talk Washington sports with. During the summer, it's usually the Nationals with a little bit of a touch on the Commanders. Today, Al Galdi joins us to talk a little bit of Commanders, maybe with a little bit of touch at those upstart surge Washington Nationals at the end of our conversation. Al, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good, Bob. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Let's start with the Commanders, Al, and what you saw from the first preseason game. And I would ask specifically, you know, a lot of eyes were on Sam Howell and what he did at the start of that game with kind of a mix and match of personnel with the offense. What did you think? I thought Sam did well. Uh, I was encouraged by what we saw. I've been pretty optimistic on Sam, you know, with the understanding that, you know, we don't know anything, okay? Like, he could come out and not be good this season. Most non-first-round quarterbacks do not become good NFL quarterbacks. But I do think that there's a lot to like with him, and I think that there's a real upside here uh, that is worth pursuing. And so with that as kind of a backdrop, uh, I thought that he played well on Friday night. I thought he was accurate. I thought that he made good decisions. He showed off his mobility. I mean, you look at the three incompletions that he had, you're talking about two throwaways and one uh, knockdown, you know, a play on which Mm -hmm. the ball got uh, tipped by defender who was coming. Uh, You know, he played behind an offensive line that wasn't exact stellar, and I thought that he he did a good job. So I was impressed. I mean, you know, you have to sort of attach all the usual caveats of preseason and no game planning and small sample size and all that stuff. But for the opportunity that he had, I thought that Sam did well. I mean, the fourth down completion was great. The touchdown pass, he was under duress. He made the throw. John Dodson made a good catch. So uh, a lot to like there. You know, I think everything else was really a mixed bag. I mean, the offensive line certainly struggled. Um, You know, now it wasn't all bad. The line was good enough uh, for the team to have that touchdown drive that resulted uh, in the Dodson touchdown reception. But, you know, the two Andrew Wiley penalties, Nick Gates uh, had a blocking fail on a minus two-yard reception by Brian Robinson Jr. The first offensive snap of the game was a a, a zero-yard run by Robinson on which Mm -hmm. uh, the left tackle, Charles Leno Jr., struggled. So, you know, you hated to see that just because of, like, all of the questions we all have about the offensive line. Uh, And then the defense, you know, it was so funny. I mean, the defense got carved up for so much of that first-round offensive drive. And then the last two plays were so good. (laughs) And that was such a good goal-line stand. So, you know, things to like, things not to like, but – uh, I thought there was more good than bad on Friday night. Hey, uh, let's take a step back on the offense for a moment and just 
big picture, how do you think it operated using as a backdrop? And maybe this never even got to the players, but we had the big hullabaloo last week with the Ron Rivera comments on Eric Bieniemy and the players coming to him and saying he's being too hard. All of that, if you step back and just take a big picture look of how Bieniemy's offense operated, what would you come away with? I thought it operated well, all things considered. I mean, Ron Rivera and his post-game presser was complimentary of the offensive operation. Sam Howell was as well. I mean, if you're analyzing, like, what we saw, we saw, I thought, a lot of, like, West Coast concepts, which you would expect, but which lend themselves to shorter, quicker passes, which I think is good for a young quarterback, gets them in rhythm. I also think it's good when you have a questionable offensive line. You know, we saw multiple formations. We saw the quarterback on the move, which I think is good, I think is key, especially with a guy like Howell. You know, there was that sprint-out completion uh, that Sam had to Terry McLaurin that I liked a lot. So, you know, what we saw I thought was good. I mean, it was strange last week what we had with the Ron Rivera reveal of players having gone to him with concerns about Eric Bieniemy. And you know, there's a lot that we don't know. Like, when exactly did that happen? Is that a recent thing? Is that more a distant thing? Uh, what exactly were the concerns? What was the tone of the conversation? I don't love this idea of players doing that. You know, this offense hasn't been good since 2017. Like, mm-hmm. to me, unless you're Terry McLaurin, I- I'm really not interested in hearing you complaining about, you know, a new offensive coach doing things in a harsher way. Like, yeah, like you guys haven't been good for a, lo- a while here. So, you know, I'm not sure what exactly uh, gives you the right to complain um, and, you know, I thought it was weird, too, that Ron Rivera put that out there. He didn't have to do that. He could have Belichick did, and he didn't. So, you know, there are things about that that don't make a ton of sense. But what matters is this. Are, are they beyond whatever happened? And is the offense going to be good this coming season? Mm-hmm. Because if it isn't good, this team's going to have a hard time winning. And I think that it can be good. There are questions. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a situation where I think you can talk yourself into the offense being good. You could also talk yourself into the offense being not so good. Like, there's a, there's a wide range of outcomes that are realistic, I think, with this offense. But I think the enemy knows what he's doing. And if he is, in fact, you know, cracking the whip a little bit and working these guys hard and, you know, really harping on attention to detail, I think that those are good things. I do not think that those are bad things. I actually thought he handled himself particularly well, at least publicly and in the media yeah. presser afterwards. I thought Biennemi himself probably earned some points for the way he handled things. What did you see there? I agree. Uh, you know, he is a very good uh, talker at these pressers. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we, we saw this in his introductory press conference in February, and I thought that we saw that again last week. You know, he was put in a weird spot. It, it was a strange deal because – Ron revealed this in a pre-practice press conference, and then Biennemi had an already scheduled post-practice press conference that day. Like, just by chance, this happened on the day on which Biennemi was scheduled to speak. And so his press conference, which was his first media availability of training camp, ended up being this session during which he had to answer questions about and justify and explain his coaching style, which was not what that presser was supposed to be. It was supposed to be about, like, How's Sam Howell doing? How's the offensive line doing? You know, yada, yada, yada. And instead, it became this, like, referendum on, like, why he coaches the way he coaches and what is meant by the way that he coaches and all this stuff. And I'm with you. I thought that he handled himself really well. And he handled himself in the way that you should handle yourself. He took the high road. He, I thought, came off honest, but also, you know, direct. And he certainly was not, like, 
uh, defensive or anything like that. I-, I thought he did a really good job. You know, he wants to be a head coach. I thought he handled that uh, like a head coach, which was good. Yeah, that's exactly what I said last week, that that uh, ironically may actually help him, you know, get that head coaching position when he can go back and show that tape as how he would handle himself as a head coach. And he had the support of his former players in Kansas City, too, almost to a man they came out in support when when they were asked about it as well. All right, that's in our rearview mirror there, Al. Let's look forward. Um, This may be the most important week of preseason for commanders because it's a combined practice session with baltimore tomorrow and wednesday what do you expect out of those couple of sessions because i think everybody likes this idea of these joint practices no more so than the coaches themselves yeah i think you're right this is the peak of the preseason i think what we're going to have the next two days almost serves like another preseason game so you know you have these two practices tuesday and wednesday and then you have the actual preseason game against the ravens a week from tonight Uh, at FedEx Field. I do think that coming out of all of this, if Sam Howell does well or at least does decent, he will be officially proclaimed as a starting Mm. quarterback. That hasn't happened yet, but I mean, you know, everyone knows that we're sort of headed in that direction. He certainly is being treated uh, like the starting quarterback, but I do anticipate an official declaration of that um, early next week if, in fact, things go well uh, over these joint practices and with the preseason game. I mean, obviously, especially with the joint practices, you know, things are going to be physical. These are going to be intense. I think these are going to be telling. You know, the offensive line, does it do better? You know, in these two practices, I think there are some things for it to prove. Uh, The commander's defense has had a very good training camp. How does it do against a different offense? You know, it's it's tricky to evaluate defense in training camp, right, because you're facing the same offense every day. Mm -hmm. These defensive players probably know by now, like, exactly what is coming and when what is coming is coming. So what does the defense look like facing, you know, Lamar Jackson and a Ravens offense with which the defense isn't familiar? So I think that's going to be interesting. And, you know, there's also this. The commanders are starting to get banged up. Logan Thomas has been out for more than a week now with a cap issue. Uh, we learned today that Benjamin St. Juice is dealing with an ankle. Samuel Cosme, uh, during practice this morning, suffered uh, a knee injury. Nothing seems overly serious, but we are at a point now, you know, kind of like in the dog days of training camp. Obviously, health is paramount. And so, you know, you, you do say to yourself, all right, you want guys to practice hard, but you certainly don't want anyone getting injured in these joint practices. So I wonder if guys... Some guys do get held out. You know, obviously we had Chase Young suffer the stinger this past Friday night. But Darian Mathis suffered a calf issue or was dealing with a calf issue. So there are some significant key commanders players who are dealing with some nicks and bruises. Uh, and I think that's something to keep in mind. But I, I think this is going to be a really good week. Big test for Sam Howell, offensive line especially. Uh, but I, I think this is where, like, a lot of growth can happen too. So I'm, I'm really happy that uh, Washington is doing this. And, of course, Al, at the end of the week, we get the game, and the Commanders will have so much incentive because the strangest streak in all of sport could be broken (laughs) if they could win this game, right? The Ravens have now won, what, 24 straight preseason games? It's stupid, isn't it? It is. I mean, I don't even know if that's something to be lauded or if that's something that we should laugh at, uh, maybe kind of both. Yeah. But I have to tell you, as a Commanders fan, I kind of would like for them to be the team to end that streak, even though the streak means nothing. So, yeah, I hope 
the team does get that win on Monday night. <laughs> Fair enough. That is, I, you know, I'm an Eagles guy. I was rooting for the Eagles to win that game. When they went for two the other day, I'm like, let's win it. Let's break this streak. It gave them something to play for, but it is kind of the weirdest streak ever in the history of sports. Hey, another streaking team. Let me finish with you as we kind of flip-flop rolls through the summer here. These Nationals are almost out of last place in the National League East. Now, the Mets have a lot to do with that, but the, the Nationals won, what, 7 out of 10. They swept the A's. I realize it's the A's, and they really showed a heartbeat in the way they came back and won yesterday's game. It was something. Uh, a 7-2 ninth-inning deficit gets overcome via a six-run bottom of the ninth. I mean, think about this. The Nationals had not swept a series of at least three games since June 2021. The Nats wow. now have authored a three-game sweep in three of the last four weekends. The Nats have gone from never registering a sweep you know, for years, and now, like, all they do, it feels like, is register sweeps. So that right there, I think, captures, you know, how this team is playing better. The Nats have won 15 of their last 23 games. The Nats are two wins away from their win total of all of last season, 55 wins last season, 53 wins now this season. The team is better. The team is getting better. Now, you know, what does that mean in terms of, like, when the team actually gets playoff caliber again? It's still hard to say. But if you are a Nats fan, I don't know how you don't feel appreciably better about the state of the team now as compared to a year ago, six months ago, even like three months ago. Things are on the rise. And the other thing that's going on, and you know, it matters as much, maybe even more, than what's happening at the major league level, is what's happening at the minor league level. Dylan Cruz, who the team took with the number two overall pick in this year's draft, is already killing it for the uh, low-A Fredericksburg Nationals. He just got named uh, the league's player of the week. He on Sunday went 5-for-5 five five with two home runs and a walk. He is hitting like crazy. He is playing the way that you would expect a number 2 overall pick to play. And him in conjunction with another outfielder, James Wood, there are other prospects on the rise as well. Third baseman Brady House comes to mind. You know, there is a uh, an inventory of prospects now that the Nats have. These guys figure to form the nucleus of the next great Nats team. And that team could be coming sooner rather than later. You know, like, I think next year could be a big step forward season. You know, I think certainly two years from now, you could be looking at the team being good again. So, you know, a ways to go. You certainly can't plant the flag of victory in the rebuild, okay? you got to see how these guys pan out. But right now, at this moment in time, I think there's legitimate reason for some real optimism if you're a Nats fan. Yeah, no doubt. I think this has gone uh, the way Davey Martinez wanted it to and maybe even a little bit accelerated as well. So fascinating times up there in D.C. I'll appreciate your time this afternoon talking Commanders and Nationals, and we'll do it again before too long. Okay, thank you very much. There goes Al Galdi. Hear the Al Galdi podcast here on 1061 ESPN, plus the Nats chat podcast as well, which will continue through the end of the season. And they do have some positive things to talk about right now. Why not? Let's have the Nats finish ahead of the Mets. Let's just bury AJ's Mets into last place in the National League East. We'll just put them out of their misery and put them in the cellar of the National League East before this season is over. Uh, All right, let's tell you what we got coming up before this show is over this afternoon.